Good morning. This is uh, part four of our series in Isaiah chapter 40. What do you think when you think about God? Taken from Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28 to 30. Do you believe God can do anything? Is there something you're facing that makes you wonder if God is able to handle it? We live in an age of unprecedented power. Um... Mighty engines, power race cars, hundreds of miles per hour, pulling freight trains that are literally miles in length, uh, lift mammoth airplanes off the ground, carrying hundreds of passengers with all their cargo, and hurdle tons of sophisticated scientific equipment into space. But by harnessing the power of the atom, we have created enough energy to light entire cities and enough weaponry to annihilate them in many times over. Power is something we're just beginning to understand. So if you add all the power of the world's natural elements to the incredible power man has developed through science and technology, it does not even begin to compare to God's power. He can do anything he wants to do, absolutely anything. And none of us can make any, make any of that claim. Our capabilities are limited, but God is able to do everything he wills. A.W. Tozer said, What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Worship is pure or base as the worshiper entertains high or low thoughts of God. For this reason, the gravest question before the church is always God himself. And the most serious fact about any man is not what he is at a given time may say or do, but what he in his deep heart conceived God to be like. The 40th chapter of Isaiah opens a section of the book that deals primarily with the, with the preparation of the Judeans for their captivity in Babylon. So under the impact of this devastating prophecy, those Jews who were still loving and trying to serve the Lord needed encouragement, they needed comfort, and they needed assurance. They needed hope. They needed this teaching from Isaiah that might not, so that they might not lose hope and forget all of God's promises. So far we have learned that God is merciful, that God is glorious, that God is eternal, that God is gentle, that God is powerful, that God is all-knowing, and that God is sovereign, and this morning that God is aware. We sometimes use the term power to refer to God's authority or His prerogative to do whatever He pleases. But that is more His sovereignty. His power refers to His strength to act, His ability to perform. And that is the kind of power that Isaiah teaches us here in verses 28 to 30. My hope and prayer that this truth would bring healing and comfort to our wounded souls as we endure this pandemic. I believe this passage is full of practical truths for us as we depend on God under the situation we're all in. Number nine, my God is able. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 28, have you not known, have you not heard? Once again, Isaiah asked them to remember what they have heard, what they have known. Of course, this is something they should have known the answer to. So instead of giving God the glory due His name, they forgot who He is. You see, everything that matters in life hangs on who God is. First, the prophet says that God is able because He is almighty. Genesis chapter 17 verse 1 says, When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God almighty. 
walk before me and be blameless. One of God's names tells us that he is able to do whatever he pleases. This was the first name he revealed to Abraham. He had promised to make Abraham the father of a great nation. And naturally he needed a son in order for that promise to come true. He thought Hagar's child Ishmael was to be that son. But God told him that Sarah would bear a son and his name is Isaac. It's through him the promise will be fulfilled. To Abraham the whole idea was absurd. Remember Abraham was 99 years old and, and Sarah was 90. Humanly speaking there was no possible way they could have a son. But God helped them to believe it. But the way he introduced himself to Abraham. I am God Almighty. In Hebrew, God Almighty is El Shaddai, the God who can do anything He wants to do. He is able to resurrect the dead and give babies to couples in their 90s. That name is issued 47 times in the Old Testament and never of anyone but God. It has a New Testament equivalent used 10 times, which means literally to hold all things in one's power. He is eternal. In Isaiah 40, verse 28b, the Lord is the everlasting God. The prophet starts off by saying that God is able because He's from everlasting to everlasting, meaning God has no starting point. Let me put it another way. There was never been a time when God was not. You see, God is not a subject to some changes that you and I all face. As the New Testament writer of the book of Hebrews 13.8 says, this Jesus is... And Or God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The people in your life might change, but King Jesus will never change because He is immutable. One of Isaiah's great themes in his book is the faithfulness of God. What God has done in the past, He can still do today. What He did for believers back then in the Old Testament, or even in the New Testament, He can do for you and for me right now. I was walking this week and I suddenly just stopped and I was just blown away that this, this fact that God has no beginning. How could someone has no beginning? As fine individual, I'm, I'm locked inside this narrow little slot called right now. We are all creatures of history. We see linear creatures. We are linear creatures by that. I mean, we go from point A to point B to point C. From 1 to 10, we go from event to the next event, one after the other. The present moment is all we have. In addition, we are creatures of the past, the present, and, and the future. But God is, still a, is the God of history. God is not confined by space or by time. You see, God is equally present at all points. All points of time, all at once. He's always out ahead of us. Remember what he told Moses. I am who I am. So we should never panic if things are not falling together according to our deadlines. God is working His purpose out in His own way, at His own pace, without our hurried, nervous desperation. Letter C. Because He is the Creator. Isaiah 40 verse 28c, the Creator of the ends of the earth. There is not a single square inch of, on this earth unknown to God. All that has ever been made or all that will ever be made was created by the power of God. When scripture first introduces us to God in Genesis 1.1, it does not give us a definition of God or a list of his attributes, but an act. In the beginning, God created the heavens 
and the earth. That act nevertheless tells us much about who God is and how he is different from the world he has made. This verse presents everything that must be understood within the context of a, of a distinction between creator and creature. In, in Psalms 89 verse 11, it says, The heavens are yours, the earth are also is yours, the world in its fullness, you have founded them. All that has been made, all that will ever be made, was created by the power of God. God has no limitation. He has made things we haven't even discovered yet. He is not a local divine being who has limited control over a small territory or just one part of nature. His creative power and control extend to the limitless expanse of the heavens. Everything we make requires existing materials, but God made the universe out of nothing. We're talking about someone who has unbelievable power. The writer to the Hebrews in Chapter 1 verse 3 assures us that he continues to say all things by the word of his power. The psalmist in 33 verse 6 through 9 says that God merely spoke and he was done. That is power. A God who is able to create everything out of nothing by word. Then continues to hold it all together by a word. Is certainly able to do anything else he wants to do. Including restoring the nation of Israel to her land. Paul tells the Gentiles at Lystra and Athens that the Lord has created all things and that therefore they should not worship men or idols. I love how Paul described this power in Romans chapter 4 verse 17 that he calls into being that which does not exist. That's power. No wonder the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 1 verse 25 says how absurd it is that men worship and serve the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever god has made the world for his own glory therefore when we consider creation we should bring him praise romans eleven thirty six. so wherever or anywhere life may take us whether whether in egypt or in babylon or a lonely hotel room or an intensive care unit God will already be there for us. There's no nation or group of people on the face of the earth that is outside his knowledge or control. We are always under his grace. We are always under his power. Letter D, because God is infinite. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28, D and to 30. He does not faint or grow weary. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall, be shall fall exhausted. The reality is that all of us gets tired. We need nourishment and rest every day. We spend a third of our lives asleep in bed, recuperating. Not God. He does not need restoration. He is eternally inexhaustible. His, his character has inexhaustible fountain of exuberance and joy. He takes care of the affairs of thousands of stars in the heavens and the millions of the people on earth. God will never be fatigued or get weak because of exhaustion. Psalms 121 verse 1 through 8 says, I lift up my eyes to the hills, for where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. 
Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep you going out and you're coming in from this time forth and forevermore. God is never worn out by a large task and nothing's too complex for him to figure out. In any given event in your life, God is actively accomplishing about 10,000 things you aren't even aware of. God will, no, will never grow tired or weary. He is forever fresh, always alert, always able. So there's no need for us to think that somehow certain situations are going to make him weary. His energies are never spent. Isaiah's point here in verse 30 is very blunt. That even our human strength at its best or its prime or its peak will inevitably fail. But God will never. The truth is that we are no match for the demands of life. And Isaiah is telling them and telling us that there is strength beyond themselves. That there is strength beyond ourselves. That there is power beyond themselves and ourselves. God wants to get involved in our lives by making his power perfect in our weakness. The word grew faint and, and grew weary is the key to this entire passage occurring really seven times. God is speaking here to the weak, the tired, the discouraged. So who are the faint in verse 29? They are the complainers in verse 27 who complain that God has forgotten about them. And it's weaklings like them and, and like us who receive the power of God to live with our heads held high and with a lively confidence in a big God because we because we can see in his promise a bright future for us even in the midst of this pandemic. God knows how we feel, what we fear, and he's adequate to meet our every need. Paul in 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9 and 10 says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast at all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardship, persecution, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. What a magnificent promise that His grace will always be sufficient for us when we acknowledge that we are weak. God is here offering the exiles the solution to their fears by exchanging his power for their weakness and his strength for their weariness. We can never obey God in our own strength, but we can always trust him to provide the strength we need. But if we trust in ourselves, we will fail miserably. Again, Paul in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer, and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. God is so wonderful. That's why we, there's no need for us to be anxious about anything. Because if we trust in Him, God promises peace that will surpass all understanding. And that itself will guard our hearts and our minds. Letter E, because he is all wise. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28, E, his understanding is unsearchable. The prophet says that God knows everything inside and out. In other words, we cannot figure God out 
His wisdom is unlimited and totally beyond our comprehension. Therefore, there are no loose ends or uncontrollable circumstances that God does not have the ability to keep track. This confession of faith testifies God's involvement in every time period, every space or territory in the universe, every detail of life, and His total understanding of what has, what does, and will happen throughout the heaven and earth are all under His control. In Daniel chapter 2, the prophet shows us this inner working when he gave Daniel the interpretation of the king's dream and he praises God for it. And, and I want you to notice in Daniel chapter 2 uh, that he used the term wisdom coupled with another of God's attributes to show how they operate together. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. Then Daniel blessed the God of heavens. He answered and said, Let the name of God be praised forever and ever, for wisdom and power belongs to him. God's wisdom is so awesome that he knows the details of all of his works so well that we can have confidence he's going to reach his purposes and get there by the best means possible. Wisdom can be defined as knowing the right thing to do at the right time and in the right place. This generally comes with experience, knowledge, and, and good judgment. Our God always makes the right decision because He has perfect divine wisdom. He is literally incapable of making the wrong choice or having a bad timing. This one reason why we as Christians trust our Lord so much because He always knows what to do, when to do it, and why. Believers, it is. Believe it or not, it, it actually upsets a lot of people. And they say, why does God think He is orchestrating all the events for all times just that He might be glorified and exalted? The best explanation I can offer is that God exists for Himself. And the reason is simple there is nothing or no greater than Him. Mary questioned. God's spectacular purpose for her um, in, in Luke chapter 1, in verse 34, when she said, But how can this happen? I am a virgin. In verse 37, For nothing will be impossible with God. That verse literally says, For no word from God shall be without power. I love Mary's response in verse 38, I am the Lord's servant. Let's not put the whole matter right where it belongs in the realm of God's power to do whatever he says he's going to do. If he wants to plant a child in the womb of a virgin by the Holy Spirit, he can do it. And he did it, giving the world a divine savior. His name is Jesus, who will save his people from their sin. God in his infinite wisdom rearranges people, nations, and situations. Because God knows all things. He knows the best choices to make and the outworking of his plan. I'm glad we got a wise God putting it all together instead of leaving it up to us. How dangerous would that be? Life is often confusing to us, but it is not confusing to God. We often try to find a, a, a deepened insight into the meaning and purpose of events. So if our lives are not exactly the way we would like them to be, we can be sure that they are precisely the way God wants them to be. He knows what He is doing. So we do not live by explanations. We live by promises. We do not figure God out by our brains. We submit to Him by faith. God is always right. Right? 
now, right here, always at work and always wise. And, and that changes everything, doesn't it? Because God will share His strength with us in our weaknesses. If you really want to know the omnipotent God of the universe, the one who is able intimately and experientially, you ought to think through some of the things He is able to do. The New Testament word to be able means essentially to have power. The word dunamis in Greek. When we read that God is able to do something, it means He has the power to do it. It is a concept related to His omnipotence. The Old Testament word has somewhat the same connotation. While we know that God can do anything He wants to do, I want us to look at a few specific things the Bible says He is able to do. The first thing and I think the most important thing is He is able to save us completely. In Hebrews chapter 7 verse 25, Hence also He is able to save forever those who draw near to God through Him, since He always lives to make intercession for them. The, the writer of the Hebrews is assuming, or actually not assuming, but assuring us that God is able to save us perfectly for all time and for eternity. Once we have trusted Christ as Savior, from, He saved us from our sin by being born again. That's why we no longer need to fear for our eternal destiny. It's assured. Our omnipotent God has the power to keep us. First Peter chapter 1, verse 5 puts it in his words. He said, we are kept by the power of God. Isn't it a good thing that we are? None of us would feel very secure if our salvation depended on our own power. The disciples were disturbed when Jesus told them how difficult it would be for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Then they asked, who can be saved? They asked rather hopelessly. Looking at them, Jesus said in Mark chapter 10, verse 27, With men, it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. You see, God is able to do anything He pleases, and He longs for us to know Him as the omnipotent God who saves. Number two, He is able to keep us from sin. In, in this great text in Jude chapter 2, he says, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory blameless with great joy. That great benediction assures us that God has the power to keep us from falling into sin. Jude reminds us that the Lord is the only one who can keep you from falling. We will never make it on our own. We will not overcome sin without the Lord. See, Christ knows all the bumpy road you and I will travel. It knows the scars that you and I will pick up along the way. And, and may God's message to you this morning encourage you to look to Him who will continue to keep you from, what, falling into sin. No, no wonder the, the writer of the book of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion or the initiator of our faith. We, we are to look at Him if we have any chance to overcome sin. The writer to the Hebrews also tells us how he does it in chapter 2, verse 18. For since he himself was tempted in that which he has suffered, he is able to, he is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. Again, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 to 16, 
So then since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weakness, for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our, our gracious God. There we will receive mercy, His mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Our omnipotent and our able Savior, Jesus Christ, has conquered temptation Himself. And now He is right there for us to lean on when we are tempted. When we learn to lay hold of His power, we will conquer those stubborn sins that disrupt our lives and the lives of others. Number three. He's able to supply all our needs. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, that always having full sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. That promise was addressed to faithful and cheerful givers. They can count on God to take care of everything they need in every circumstance of life and at all times. So there is no need for us who are Christians or believers to worry that if, if we give to His church, that God will not return it. I was talking to a fellow pastor friend and he asked me if he, and if he can confess his sins. He said that he has been acting as though God could not really take care of his financial needs. And he said, I haven't given in months. I shared with him what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. I love how the Message Bible paraphrases this verse. A stingy planter gets a stingy crop. A lavish planter gets a, get a lavish crop. I want each of you to take plenty of time to think it over and make up your mind what you will give. That will protect you against sob stories and arm twisting. God loves it when the giver delights in the giving. God loves a cheerful giver, not a stingy giver. I also shared with him Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, which I mentioned last week. That the same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs for his glorious riches, which we have been given to us in Christ Jesus. You see, only an omnipotent God could make promises like that. Let me ask you, why do you get so anxious and irritable over finances? Then he called me last week, the same pastor, and he said that he tried to be faithful in sharing his meager resources to others. And that's when God showed him in a miraculous way that he was able to supply all his needs. I'm challenging you to trust God in your finances, even during this pandemic, and watch him work. Number four, he is able to heal our diseases. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 27, Jesus taught this lesson to two blind men right after he emerged from the house where he had raised Jairus' daughter from the dead. The supreme sample of his power uh, here is displayed that the two men cried out, Have mercy on us, son of David. In verse 28, he turned and asked, Do you believe that I am able to do this? When they answered, Yes, Lord, Jesus touched their eyes and made them see. He may be asking you the same question. Do you believe I have the power to heal you? Our response is yes, 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 we believe. Jeremiah chapter 30 verse 17 
It says, For I will restore health to you and heal your wounds, says the Lord. Let that sit in for just a moment. God said, Heal your wounds, says the Lord, and restore your health. God in His sovereignty does not always heal because He knows the sickness is sometimes the best way to accomplish His perfect purposes in our lives. But He is able. And if He wants to, He will. And He wants us to believe that if it's according to His will, it will be done. Believing that God can do anything could be the very thing that starts us on the right road to recovery and to healing. Number five, He is able to deliver us from death. Most of us have had disheartening experience with people who have promised more than they have been able to deliver. People who overpromise but underdeliver, and it becomes disheartening at times. And sadly, we have this tendency to transfer uh, our skepticism or our hurts to God, and and we start questioning: Does He really care? Is He really in control? Does He really have the power to get me out of this adversity? But you see, our doubts do nothing but raise our anxiety level and causes us grief. Believe that God is able to do whatever needs to be done in your life and mine. No other being or problem is all-powerful. Only God is all-powerful, and He is on our side. His power is pitted against our problem. The odds are really in our favor. The writer to the Hebrews said in Chapter 5 or 7, he offered up both prayers and supplication with loud crying and tears to the one able to save him from death. As Jesus prayed in the garden to his father, he said in Mark 14, 36, Abba, Father, he cried out, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet not I want your will but to be done, not mine. While all things were possible, he submitted to his Father's will and trusted him to do what was best. That is exactly what he did by dying for us on the cross. Paul in Romans 6.23 tells us, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, there is nothing that one can do to earn the gift of grace. If one could earn it, it would, be, it would not be a gift. But you have to believe that we have a God who is holy and just. And that you and I are sinners in desperate need of a Savior. God sent Jesus Christ to be our Savior because He loves you. And if you come to Him in repentance, God said, I will save you from your sins and give you eternal life. According to the Bible, death is an enemy. The last enemy to be destroyed. It has been said for a Christian that we are invincible or and immortal until God's time to take us home. There is no reason for a child of God ever to fear this coronavirus or, or cancer because God is able to deliver us from any danger. He is more than able to deliver us and He has proven that time and time again. After Daniel in chapter 6 verse 20, you know the story of, of Daniel in the lion's den where he spent the entire night in the den of lions. King Darius hurried to the den in the morning and called out to him, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you constantly serve been able to deliver you from the lions? 
You know, it's one thing to believe in God's ability when all is well, but quite another when, like Daniel, your world is falling apart. I don't know presently what you are going through or what trial or testing you're facing, but that kind of question would be asked only by someone who does not know God. Is there something you feel God has promised you that seems impossible? It may be so outlandish that if you told someone, they would laugh. God's question for you today is the same he asked Abraham. Is anything too difficult for the Lord? Hungry lions, fiery furnaces, or terminal illness, or scary noises in the dark, barking dogs, floods, poisonous snakes, earthquakes, or anything else. They are no problem to God. You see, when you and I are in sync with Jesus and His Holy Spirit, He has a connection to a reservoir that is always overflowing. It's always full. But you have to be in sync with God. Do you believe that God can do anything and that nothing can thwart His purposes from being fulfilled? I want you to believe that. There are many references in Scripture to what God is able to do. But not more exciting than Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly by beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us. That is the power that works exceedingly abundantly beyond our wildest dreams. Our God has power over creation, over nature, over animals, over the nations and rulers, and power over demons. And he's able to deliver us. Moreover, in chapter 1, verse 19 to 20, Paul tells us that the very same power that raised Christ from the dead is in operation in us right now. Wow, what, what a promise. But, but there's a secret of, of releasing God's power, and it, it lies in these two basic principles. Number one, God's power is released on those who are weak and helpless. Are you weak? Are you helpless? Then you're ready to receive God's power. The first principle was revealed to King Asa of Judah during the time when he was displeasing the Lord by relying on, on his on human treaties rather than on the power of the living God. In 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9, the eyes of the Lord searched the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. What a fool you have been. From now on, you will be at war. John chapter 4, verse 23. But the time is coming indeed. It's here now. When true worshiper will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship Him in that manner. Are you a true worshiper? Are you one who depends on God? God is actually looking for people who are helpless. People for whom and, and through whom He can release His power. But, but there's a condition. He wants our hearts to be only dedicated to Him, to be completely allegiant to Him. If He's going to supply us with His power, He wants to be sure we will use it for His glory. Sadly, some of us remain powerless because God cannot trust us with His power. Because we would take the credit for ourselves. But when we yield and when we surrender ourselves, our wills to His, only then 
Are we ready to experience the power of God? Second principle. God's power is released on those who have faith. God's power is always released on our behalf through faith. There's little hope of enjoying God's power when we do not expect Him to release it. Or if we are not sure that He can or will release it to us. Or if we are not trusting Him to release it. James makes it very clear in James chapter 1 verse 6 through 8. But when you ask Him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as the wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world and they are unstable in everything they do. God is able. Because there is no deficiency in His power. The deficiency may be in our faith. Believe that He can do what needs to be done in your life. Expect Him to answer, then watch for Him to do it. God may work in totally unexpected ways, but He will work it out. As He did for Joseph, as He did for Paul. At this very moment, He's looking for you. He's looking for you to demonstrate His power. Would you let Him? So whoever you are and whatever your need, God's strength is available to help you. When you are people who are eternally connected to God, this, this power will gush out in and through our lives. So from the little crisis like a stubborn jar lid for, or that you cannot open when there is no one there to help, to a major crisis that like an extended illness of a loved one that has put a lot of demands on you physically, emotionally, and spiritually, God's strength is available to help you. And with that kind of power at our disposal, why do we feel so weak, so fearful, so powerless all the time? God is able. Before Essie and John leaves us in a response song, I would just like to remind you that um, we are planning to reopen Watermark Fellowship Church. We just don't know when, but we will wait upon the Lord. I will close in prayer. Let's bow our heads. Father God, I thank you for being the God who is able. The God who is able, O oh Lord, to save us from our sins. God who is able, O oh Lord, to save us from death. God, that God is able, O oh Lord, to save us from all diseases. And, and God who is able to supply all our needs. God, thank you for being able. Thank you, Lord, that you're a God who will work things out for your glory and for our good. And Lord, we ask... That, Lord, that you give us, O oh Lord, your power to reopen your church. And this we pray in your name. Amen. We'll all see you next week.